Welcome, everybody. This is Peggy's Recovery Corner. We are here today on this recovery podcast where we talk about all things recovery or lack thereof, depending on how you roll, what you use, or what you do. Um, I have a very special guest today. He is Dave. I, I don't want to uh, murder your name, but is it Gieselman? It's Gieselman, yeah. Gieselman, okay. Welcome to the welcome to the corner. Nice to have you here today. Um, I don't know Dave personally, although I've heard great things from my friend Athena. Um, they met in some recovery circles, and uh, she told me he would just be a, a fabulous, amazing individual to have on the recovery podcast today. So I thought I would have you here. Uh, usually the way it works is um, we delve into your past. We kind of uh, find out where you're from, where you were born, how you were raised, what you got into, and then how you got into recovery. So who is Dave? Tell me more about yourself, please. Uh, let's see. Okay, so, um, yeah, born and raised uh, Pasadena area, and uh, and you know, and and as as I as I speak often about, I you know, I was a, a suburban white kid in a suburban white family in a suburban white neighborhood and doing suburban white shit. Like <laughs> I was like never never once in my life at all have I been hard, tough, uh, cool. Like I've never been slick. I've never been like that. That is not my story, right? Uh, you know, and and I was, uh, you know, and I come from I come from like like a like a basic, you know, kind of loving family. My parents were both professionals, and you know, I, there were four kids, and and you know, we had a, a dog and a cat, and 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 like that was like kind of my upbringing. And I was my my job was to like grow up and go to school, and then go to go to college and become some kind of professional something or other that was that was the expectation mm-hmm. and uh any siblings uh i'm second of four i have two brothers and a sister okay and and so pasadena was the lifestyle was cool back then. how old are you uh i'm 47 so uh yeah so i grew up i grew up in in the 80s and 90s sure uh and 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 actually just just uh just east of pasadena in sierra madre which is a, okay which is a cool little cool little town and yeah, no, it was it, it was a, it was a great place to grow up. It was it was very vanilla. It was very, you know, it was you know there was there was you know there was no spiciness to it at all. Like I I went to I went to you know public schools and and you know one year in like seventh grade or sixth grade I got my ass kicked real bad one time and so my mm-hmm. mom tried putting me in 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 a private school you know right. and and I went from I went from like like you know, passing into public private public schools to this tiny little private school where right. suddenly I was like the public school kid. Mm. Right. <laughs> right. And you know how those public school kids are, particularly Pasadena public school kids. They just assume cutches look at you and and, <laughs> and 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 I did not thrive in that environment. I did not I I was I was invited not to return at the end of that. And and so I got into cooking very, very young and uh, extremely young. How how did you get into cooking? Why? Both my parents are great cooks. Uh, okay. Both my parents are great, great cooks, and they they both cooked to put themselves through their respective education. They both cooked professionally to put themselves through their respective educations. My mm-hmm. mom had a small catering business when she when I was young. She that's how she put herself uh, through her education. She's a she's a shrink now. Um, but that was how she paid for, for her education. And mm-hmm. so I, I just, I had an interest in, and I was really, I was really interested in, in what was going on in there. The, the, you know, everything smelled good and it was, it was cool. And so, uh, at like 11, I was, I was helping my mom and I was, you know, getting paid to cook. And, and so that was always 
kind of my my thing and and in and in high school I got my first job in 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 a kitchen so it's interesting because both of my parents I'm Persian both of my parents loved cooking they were really excellent cooks but the thing was is I, I never had any, any interest to learn how to cook I didn't learn how to cook until I was at least six years sober I'm almost 15 years sober now but um, they used to just make the food and I did the type of drugs where I could enjoy their food a lot better. <laughs> smoke weed and things like that but that's cool that you were helping out mom and all that so as far as like your upbringing and growing up like what was it that got you did you start to experiment at a young age with alcohol with any drugs what was the story that was see that was i yeah look i i I always felt like I was on the outside looking in. I never felt comfortable in my own skin. I never felt like I fit in. Alcoholism in my family is like the wonderful thing about Tiggers. I'm the only one. Like none of them have it. Right? Okay. They, they they just they don't they don't have it. Gen- genetically, I, I I won the lottery. I got the genetic predisposition toward alcohol, uh, sure. toward alcoholism. And at some point, that gene went live on me. So that's mm-hmm. you know that was. But no, I was I was in adult environments. I was in adult environments and I got and I got introduced to adult things and I liked cooking because it put me in adult environments. I was doing sure. something other than than what my my peers were doing. I was mm-hmm. working. I got, you know, I got I got introduced to, you know, cuz I was working with with, you know, a lot of Latinos and so I got introduced to what Latinos like to do after work. I got introduced to uh, Latinos sisters. I got introduced to who, you know, who who just thought that that I was that I was cool. So I got introduced to, um, I got introduced introduced to, to adult things as a, as a child. Um, and my first drinks, you know, I was, I was 15 years old and, and, you know, I, I had a you know broken heart and, you know, my, my, my girlfriend that, that, that I had, I had planned this whole life out because my parents were high school sweethearts and they got married and they, mm-hmm. they stayed together until my father passed a couple of years ago. And, um, and but that and that was the model that I was given, right? Mm-hmm. And when I couldn't, and so you're supposed to meet your girl in high school, you know, and and then you know do a couple of years of college and then get married and then do the thing, and and so that was the model that I was given. My my girl in high school broke my heart, and 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 I didn't know what, I didn't know what to do, and I found that that in those those first like really intentional drinks, those ones that were really intended that had a purpose. Like the the alcohol was going to was going was there to serve a purpose. It was a tool. It was super effective, and I was amazed before I was halfway through, right? Like I suddenly knew a new freedom and a new happiness. Sure, right? You know, I I, I didn't regret the past. I wish to shut the door on it. I can mm-hmm. comprehend the word serenity, and I knew peace when it was working. Mm-hmm. Somewhere between three and five drinks, you know. I, I lost I lost interest in selfish things and gained interest in my fellows, you know, right? You know, uh, you know, I'm gonna buy around for the I'm gonna buy around for these guys over here. I'm gonna go get in a fight with those guys over there, right? Fear of people and economic insecurity left, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And I intuitively knew how to handle situations that 20 minutes ago uh, baffled me. That was my experience in those in those first drinks. And that like my problem in that moment had been solved. Was it beer? Was it hard liquor? What was it? Oh my god! It was it was it was beer. It was a keg. It was a it was a keg in somebody's driveway. Uh, and the I was, keggers, man, yeah. line them up at the keg. 
Yeah, Perfect. and I just kept going back and going back and going back, and I'm like, this is like an okay. So there's an inexhaustible supply of beer, and then I found I found whiskey, <laughs> and 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 whiskey just, you know, and but but let me let me go back. Let me let me just say this. I had been addressing that sense in me my entire life, right? That sense that things weren't quite right, that I didn't fit, that I wasn't comfortable. You know, when I was very young, I, I realized that that, that that food solved the problem briefly. I was I I. I, I realized that sugar solved the problem briefly. I realized that 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 tobacco, caffeine, video games, porn, masturbation, all of these things like solved that problem. The problem is is it was short lived. The the solution was short lived temporarily. Yeah, but they did it right. But it worked. Alcohol yes. just was the most efficient, most effective, and longest lasting solution that I'd ever encountered. I had count, encountered lots of solutions prior, sure. right? And so, and even even the coolness of, of of being the the you know the high school kid with a job. I had money, right? I had, like like I had money in my hands. I could go do shit, right? Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and so even even that temporarily solved the problem. You know, a little ex external validation solved the problem. You know, and so then it was it was beer, and then it was, you know, I I, I graduated to you know. Like, like I said, I, I talked to a lot, of, I talked to a lot of people in recovery and, and I, I, I sponsor, uh, I work with a lot of people at a, at a real, real high volume and I always sure. ask the same question. So like, what's your, what's your thing, right? What, you know, what's your favorite flavor? Right. You know, and, and I love the guys who are like, you know, I was a garbage can, man. I, you know, I did, I did whatever, you know, and I'm like, okay, but, but you weren't though. Right. But, but you weren't right. Like I was, I was happy, right. To do any drugs that were in your pocket, a hundred percent. Right? Okay, but when it was my money and I wasn't sharing, mm -hmm. my money bought Jack Daniels. Like that, my money bought whiskey, and that's what I want to know when I work with other people. When it's your money and you're not sharing, like when you don't, when you don't have to worry about sharing, then what do you do? What did your money buy? What, what did you put in? What was your first thing? And mm -hmm. and that's when we get into, you know, were you an up? Were you a down? Were you an out? Or were you an in? Right? And and that was. Because I need to understand when I'm when I'm working with other with with other people in recovery, I need mm -hmm. to know what direction you were traveling. On. Right, right. You know, we were joking before. You know, before this is out. You know, alcoholics and cocaine addicts. You know, did all their stuff because they wanted to be in. I want to be in the party. I want to fit in. I want to. I want to do what the cool kids are doing. I want to. I want to. I want to be a part of. And mm -hmm. you know, like like heroin addicts and speed freaks and and and, and all those guys. They want out. They want no part of it. I, I want to be left alone. And, and, and I totally get that. Isolators. Did you, did you ever get into stimulants or opiates or anything like that? You said you did some drugs. Oh, cocaine. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, cocaine and alcohol kind of go hand in hand. Cocaine and alcohol go hand in hand, you know, and, right. you know, and I got introduced to, to, to cocaine in kitchens, you know, when, right. when, when it starts getting really, really busy, you know, there's, there is always a dishwasher or a prep cook or something who's got a bindle in his pocket. Always, sure. always, 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 always. There's always mm -hmm. a guy. Like restaurant owners and who, who aren't familiar with with like the, the culture of, of getting loaded, right? Who aren't mm -hmm. familiar with, with the culture of addiction. Like mm -hmm. I've talked to a lot of them and they were appalled. I'm like, if we went into your kitchen right now and we told everybody to turn out their pockets, there would be booze, there would be needles, there would be powders, there would be like you would be shocked. And I and I talk to guys all the time and I go, no, there are people like if you tested 
everybody right now. Not what they've done, but are they currently lit in this moment? That means every time we go to restaurants and we're eating, the food that's been prepared for us perhaps possibly has, has gone through the hands of the people that are on all kinds of barbecues, all kinds of narcotics, all kinds of alcohol. All kinds of stuff. Drugs. All kinds of stuff. Everyone's loaded that's making our food. Right? <laughs> that's, just, that's just the way it works. And and you know, and some and some kitchens are cool, and some kitchens are like, look, I don't want to see what you're doing, uh, but do whatever you gotta do to get through a shift. Sure. Right? Others out of, are, out of mind. Yeah. Yeah. Others are real strict about it. Uh, but but the the you know, if you've if if you followed Anthony Bourdain or any or, or anything else. I, I loved I loved Tony Bourdain because you know I read his first his, his Washington Post article and then I and then I read his his book Kitchen Confidential like and I thought he was peeking through my windows right because I was that guy I was the constantly drunk like cook there were two things about me you could take to the bank right sure aim I had knives that could cut through a train like my knives were always sharp sure and I was always drunk like I always like there was no point where you would find me that I didn't have razor sharp knives in my bag and I wasn't drunk. Do you think you think some of the stuff that you were cooking up came out better because of because of being intoxicated? Oh, you know like some people drive better they say when they've been drinking. Right. No. I it was never about other people's experience. Sure. I was more comfortable when I it was never I never I didn't consider another human being in uh, uh, other than as a transactional situation until well into sobriety. Like, like the idea that other people needed to be taken into consideration. Look, I'm just trying to get mine. I'm trying to get through the shift. I'm trying to get paid because as soon as I get out of here, I'm going to go with some more uh, booze and dope. Like, like that's, that's what I'm doing. And that's the only purpose that i have it's the only everything is transactional and nothing and none of it's about you it mm. was all about me and my level of comfort and that's how i lived now when you finished high school did you finish on time oh yeah yeah okay oh, did you, oh, did you, did you end up going to like to college university culinary school what did you or did you just go uh, straight into the field of become being a chef yeah, no, I was I was working I was working in kitchens. I went to yeah I went to community college, right? I went mm -hmm. to Pasadena Community College. Yeah, uh, I I have one of the rare distinctions. I was uh, uh, I had uh, th I believe three academic dismissals from from Pasadena City College. Like I was dismissed from PC. They're like like no no you cannot sign up for a bunch of classes, show up for the first week, piss drunk, and then and then like never sign up again. Like that was, you know, but I, I think, to, I think usually when people are in a college setting and they've been put on academic probation a couple of times, like myself, I went to the art Institute. I was an artist right. that was failing out of art school because I was fucked up. But I, you know, I think it's a great indicator when somebody's put on academic probation that perhaps they're not in the right mind. Something's not right here. Like they made it all the way to college, but they're they're not able to perform in class or or even make it to class for that matter, or they make it late, or you know it depends. But so so you were kicked out of school for to stay? Yeah, yeah. I left I left PCC and and yeah, and I didn't go into into culinary school until I was sober. Uh, so then it was just it was just working and and working, and I just I couldn't I couldn't manage my own life. Like mm. I couldn't I couldn't figure out how to 
I couldn't figure out how to save enough money to pay rent. I couldn't figure out how to not drink my entire paycheck the moment I got it. I couldn't figure out how to like keep an apartment. I couldn't figure out how to how to manage all of that stuff. And I went, you know, the last two years of my drinking, I was, I was on the couch tour for a while and the couch tour is only cute for a minute. Your buddies are happy to help you, you know, until the day, you know, you know, this guy woke up in the middle of the night to take a piss and found me in his bathroom drinking all of his scope. Oh. Right. You yeah. know, because I'm, and I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to, to fix my problem. Sure. Right. Like I'm just trying to fix my problem, you know? And this guy was like, look, I don't, I don't know what that is. But you need to you need to leave. You need to you need to go. This is not I I can't. I'm like, no problem. I'll leave in the morning. He's like, no, you need to leave now. You need to leave now. And I what I know is is you're my friend and I love you. And me providing a place for you to do that is not love. Like I don't I have no context for that behavior. And all I know is me giving you a a, a place to do that is not me showing a friend love. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and and so even, even in my drinking and using, I had like amazing, like super healthy humans in my life who were like, oh no, I, I will not co-sign that. I will not enable that. Goodbye. No, you need to leave now. So I lived in my truck for a while and then my truck got towed away, you know, and, and, and then, you know, I was on the streets for a while and I found a girl that I could live with and, and, you know, and, and it was, it was just all of that. Like it was all, it was all like manipulation and whatever. And, and yeah, my last, my last little bit, I was, I was, I was on the streets for about the last nine months. Somebody asked, um, <laughs> they said drinking all of his, what I heard drinking all of his soap. No, he said scope as in like mouthwash because it has alcohol in it. Correct. Right. right. And so, yeah, and that was my, that was my like go-to uh, that was my go-to. Uh, that's my camera flicking off. It, it, it's going to do it for two seconds every thirty minutes because nothing plays nicely with the Mac M1 chips yet. So, that's so okay. I have a, a great camera that flickers. Um, but no, so my go-to after two in the morning when they weren't selling alcohol anymore was Aqua Velva, Cool Mint, Listerine, and Vanilla Extract because all of because I know these things have. Have booze in alcohol. Them. All these things have alcohol in them. I've known so, of alcohol. I've known of alcoholics to drink vanilla extract, rubbing alcohol, mouthwash, hand sanitizer. I mean, if they can't get their hands on the actual alcohol, they will even resort to drinking those things because they can still catch a buzz and still get drunk. Um, okay, so you weren't married or no kids or anything like or family during this time. You were basically. Between places, trying between to between places and between jobs constantly. Okay, then um, when you, how old were you when you decided this is a problem? I need to get help. Oh, well into sobriety, uh, I was I was twenty four. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, that's that's when you decided to get sober at twenty four. Yeah, I got sober. I got sober at twenty four. And what was your crisis? Like, what made you decide I got to get sober? Uh, there was no crisis. There was no, no turning point. There was no, uh, and and this is why this is why I I I am very loudly uh, uh, I, I get it I get I get you know pretty intense about this idea that you have to find bottom. My last day drinking was not the shittiest day of my life. It was just mm-hmm. another shitty long string of shitty days. 
my last day drinking, uh, I had been, I had been, came out from behind a dumpster. I was drinking in a dumpster, right? I was moving bottles from one side of a dumpster to the other. It was a dumpster behind a bar and I was getting sheeted on the empties from in a dumpster from a busy bar. Right. So 11 in the morning, uh, the tail end of July is July 25th, 1999 in Pasadena. Mm. It's hotter than hell. I'm right. inside a metal dumpster. Uh, I am I am drinking the last bit of empties and I walk past some stairs and there's some guys smoking cigarettes and I go uh, and, and I go and I ask them for a cigarette and they're like, yeah, sure. And they give me a couple of cigarettes and uh, they go, hey, man, do you, do you want to come in here? We got like free donuts and coffee and AC and you can you can sit down for a moment, get out of the sun. These guys saw me come. I see where this is going. I see where this is going. Right. And, and I go, I go, well, what do you got? What do you got going on in there? Right. And they, they go, it's, it's a 12 step. It's a 12 step meeting. And I'm like, mm. like, that's cool. What, what, what is that? You know, what, what is that? Is that, you know, the church? Is it, you know, what, like, I didn't know anything about it. Right. I'm like, I'm like, so what is that? And they go, yeah, but don't even worry about it. We got free shit. You know, do you like donuts? Right. And, and I, and then, so I, I went in, it was a, and it was a, one of these clubhouses that just houses 12 step meetings, you know, day and night, like round the clock, there was just mm -hmm. a million 12 step meetings in there. And I went in and, and you know, they had a big table full of coffee and donuts and, you know, cookies and different stuff. And I set down everything I owned uh, and, and, and walked over. And what was interesting about that moment was what happened. Cause I walked over, right. And I, you know, grabbed a little cheap, paper plates and i began loading up like just like a homeless guy like you know drunk and homeless i'm so i'm i'm lit i'm i'm completely drunk it's 11 in the morning on a sunday uh and 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 i'm hot i'm stinky uh and i go in there and and i and i and i do what we do right i start loading up cookies and donuts and i grab a, a coffee and a little styrofoam cup and i'm trying to manage all of this and what happened was was that absolutely nobody in that room said, hey, can we get the homeless guy away from the donuts, please? Nobody said that. Uh, I was on my way back to, to my seat, uh, and this one old buzzard uh, with, with a blue book on his knee uh, looked up at me, and he goes, uh, he goes you, know, we have, you know, we have cake. Did you see we have cake? I'm like, cake, hey, we have, you know. And <laughs> you guys, you guys, they were kind to me. They were, yeah. they, they were kind. They were gentle. They were very, very loving. Um, and, and in, in that moment, I, I, I realized in that first meeting, I, if I raised my hand and said, my name's Dave, uh, and, and I have a problem, uh, then it was all the coffee, cigarettes and donuts that I could eat. Mm -hmm. Right. And, right. and that was the moment I became a guy with a problem, right? Like, like that was the moment that was the moment happened. I am now a homeless guy with a hustle trying to figure out how to walk and talk like a duck real quick. That's mm -hmm. it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, what this 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 ism is that you guys are talking about. I don't I don't know about your solution. I don't know about your book. I don't know about about any of that. What I do know, my biggest fear is that you guys are going to figure out that I wasn't an addict. I didn't have a, a problem and throw me out. That you guys were going to figure out that I wasn't one of them and throw me out. And so I just like whatever you guys do, whatever you guys say, that's what I'm going to do and that's what I'm going to say. And so I just start parroting a bunch of weird shit. I just start saying a bunch of stuff. And I actually detoxed in that room. You know, there was a, you know, I went through. And so if you have for your, for your audience, I, I want to, I want to be very, very clear. If you have never experienced 
uh, acute unsupervised uh, alcoholic detox, uh, unsupervised unmedicated alcoholic detox in the back of, of, a, of a meeting clubhouse. Um, I highly recommend it. There is nothing that will give you an appreciation for the life that you currently have quite like it. I was miserable and I went through detox uh, in a very, very painful, very isolated way. I had no answers for why my body was doing what it was doing. And, and all I knew was just to be, to be here. And what, what I look back on that time and I look at the kindness of these people and, and they had this great big basket full of those hostess fruit pies. Remember those hostess fruit pies? Disgusting, right? The, the right. sugar and disgustingly uh, good. <laughs> right, right. And so they had this big, they had this big basket full of these things that one of the guys kept full from the food bank. And right. I was eating those things hand over fist. I was eating all the cookies I could get. I was sitting in like six, eight meetings a day, and I was eating these fruit pies hand over fist. And what I didn't realize. See, I thought I was just getting over on these guys. I thought I was like, I was just, you know, like one more time, just running my hustle, right? Mm -hmm. I was, and I thought I was getting over on these guys. Uh, and they watched me just eating these things hand over fist, stealing them and, and, and everything. And it was the sugar and the fat that was in those things that was keeping me alive, keeping me from going into cardiac arrhythmia and cardiac arrest. Wow. Uh, Okay, so in in various places they tell you they used to you know pour like caro syrup like like they used to give people sugar and, and caro syrup. It's mm -hmm. because alcohol uh, three steps into the metabolic process is is indistinguishable from sugar, right? And so they used to tell people give give people caro syrup, corn syrup, whatever, and and, and it'll help with the the DTS because like a true alcoholic detox will stop your heart. Heroin, you bounce off the walls for a few days, scratch your skin off. It's miserable, but it doesn't kill you. Alcoholic mm -hmm. detox will kill you. It'll kill you dead. Your yeah. will season, you will die. That's right. You can seize up and die for sure. And it was the- So you didn't go to a traditional detox center. You did this all on your I own. didn't even go to a hospital. No, I went to a, a meeting room because they had donuts. They, it was It was- Every single time there was a meeting, there was more donuts, there was more coffee, there was more guys I could bum a cigarette off of. That's it. Like my man, my man detox through delicatessens. Yes. <laughs> right. And so, and, but but they realized, and what what they they knew it was the sugar and fat and those things keeping me alive. Mm -hmm. They knew it. I didn't. And they gave me the dignity of not sharing that information with me. Hmm. They allowed me my own dignity, right? They just let me get over on them. Like they didn't need to, to say, yeah, keep doing that or whatever, or, hey, we know what you're doing. Nothing. Mm -hmm. They just allowed like a completely broken human to have his own dignity. Mm -hmm. and, and because they knew that what I was doing was saving my life. Like, like it, was, it was physically saving my life. And they just allowed me to do it. Now, through that process, you know, there's some people that will attempt to get sober. They don't even know that they're in the process of getting sober, but then they'll go back out because they don't know how to see this way of life. They've never had the concept of real sobriety as, as an option, or, or maybe there were countless vain attempts, and they've attempted on their own terms and their own way to stop, but then they can't stay stopped because they've lost the power of why did you, in this era, in this time, what made you take it so serious? How did what? Why did you stay sober? Because I didn't want to get thrown out. 
Like I didn't know that, like I did like I didn't get it because I wasn't introduced the way most people are introduced. I was I was introduced through donuts, right? I was introduced through donuts, right? right. Like, and so I didn't know. As a matter of fact, I, I'd been sober a couple of weeks and somebody came, you know, we, we were talking, you know, they had a they had a room to the side of the meeting room. They had a couple of pool tables and TVs and and, and a couple of couches in it. And I was talking to one of the guys between me. And he goes, yeah, I got, I got drunk. And I'm like, don't, I'm like, they're, you can't say that in here. They'll, they'll throw you out. He goes, no, that's not, that's not how it works. Like, that's not, that's not what they do here. Like, I didn't know. I thought you guys were all serious about being sober. Like, I thought that that's what, that's what the thing was. And I sat into a million, I sat through a million meetings and I heard I heard them talk and I heard them speak and I heard like the, the, the fiery speeches, you know, those guys who get super fiery and, you know, and intense. And I heard, and so I thought you guys, I thought they all meant it. I thought you guys were doing what you said you were going to do. What I didn't know was you guys were a bunch of fucking liars, right? Mm. I didn't know because you guys said this great stuff and fired me up. And I thought I was a part of a thing. And I mm -hmm. thought we all did this. I, if I'm going to do it, I'm just going to do that. I'm going to do what you guys, and you talked about your book and you talked about the stairs and you talked about all the things that you talk about, right? And you talk about this and I didn't understand any of it. Mm. All I knew was I wanted to be what you guys were. I wanted to do what you did. I wanted to have what you had because what you had was like you guys were laughing. You were happy. Some of you had money in your pocket. Uh, you guys had shoes and I didn't. People who saw me come in to this day still call me Bam Bam 24 years later because <laughs> I was very short, very angry and didn't wear any fucking shoes. Like... <laughs> <laughs> right like so so people will 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 see me and i'll walk into a I'll, to this day i'll walk into a meeting room and you know i'll hear so you know out of the far side of the room what's up bam bam and i'll turn around and somebody who was in the room that day is hmm. over there you know one of the people who's just just kind to me Mm -hmm. And so all, all I wanted was to be what you guys, so I didn't, I didn't know that, that not doing the steps was a thing. I didn't know that not, you know, and so, and, and so I found a sponsor thing and I don't know what a sponsor thing is. Right. And it, the whole thing sounds weird. Right. Cause I wasn't trying to ask a dude to go steady with me. Like I would, like, I like, I don't know what this whole thing is. And mm -hmm. somebody's like, you know, find the guy who's got a life that got the life that you want and tell him he's your sponsor. I'm like, oh, okay, like I can do that. So you, the guy with full sleeve tattoos, Harley Davidson, great big truck, house in Sierra Madre. I'll take that. So whatever it is you do, that's what I do. And he's like, are you, are you sure? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't, you know, why, why not? Well, this is what, this is, this is how this thing works, right? And so uh, he sat down, he pulled out, you know, two of the two of the pieces of literature, right? Two built pulled out two books, and we began the process of working the steps. And I had worked all twelve steps of twelve step recovery in and began sponsoring other people in about five weeks, mm. right? So in five weeks from from that first day, like I'm I'm taking on sponsors. I'm now working with other alcoholics, and yeah. everybody in the room had an opinion about that. Right. You know, and and I'm just pointing out where it says in the literature that this is this is this is where we this is what we do. And and I to this day, the literature is very important to me because I, I just do what the literature says. The the guy who took me through the process put very little of him into me. 
You know, like everything that I did, I did because he had his finger on the words in the book. And there was no opinions. It was no, it was no, like it was his experience and, and, and what, what it says. And I'm, I'm really big, you know, in, 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 in this fellowship on, on, on what it says. Right. And it, 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 it told me that I was going to have some experiences. And as I moved through the process, I had those experiences. Then it told me I was going to have some other experiences. And as I moved through the process, I had those experiences, hmm. you know, I love so it. everything you guys told me was true, turned out to be true. You'd mentioned uh, earlier, as far as being in the book, obviously this book saves many, many lives um, and, and it's done so in less than a century, um, millions. Uh, you'd mentioned about, you know, a lot of people say the first 164. Why would you say to 180? 181. Uh, is, uh, yeah, 181. It, it's the end of the first story. Uh the, the 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 my my home group we we read the literature right and we read it from the the front cover to 181 um and the the reason the reason we do that is uh it, it's the the first story is the, the co-founder story yes and, and it in it, it, it informs it informs people who want to get caught up because all these 12 step you know all these 12 step fellowships tend to name a substance Right? right. And and people, we get caught up in the names of substances. Mm -hmm. Well, I did this, so I'm not one of those. Or I did that, so I'm a, I'm a this and I'm not a that. Yeah. Right? And we identify ourselves right out. And and one of, you know, the the, the, the stories, the story of one of the co-founders is in the front and the story of, of, of the other co-founders in the back. And it's just, it's the first story. And these two stories, mm -hmm. they, they, they both talk about drugs. They both talk about, you know, severe, severe uh you know, alcohol use and severe drug use. Yes. Right. Sedatives. Sed sedatives, all kinds high of powered. Yeah. High powered sedatives. Right. Yes. So they these guys weren't these guys weren't, you know, messing around and 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 I'm I am I am sure that they were talking about opiates. I'm sure they were talking about all kinds of stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. there there's been lots of history done uh on on the the, the sort of the origin stories of uh, of of both of these guys and and yeah, and, and 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 psychedelics were involved, in, and, and all kinds of stuff, right? Sure. And and so, and so, when we when we read this, when we read the, the the literature, I I, we read it to this to this point just to include like the experience of, of the, the the founders, and it was funny there was an interview, uh, with the founders and and and. And they asked him, so, so, so how does this whole thing boil down, right? What's the, what's the deal, right? Like if we were to distill this system, right? Because what 12 Steps does, right? And what 12 Steps does, just for, for those who are unfamiliar, new or relatively new, uh, mm -hmm. I want to be clear. Uh, what 12 Steps does is, is, it, is it, it is a, a, a replicable process of, of having a, a, a mystical experience, a spiritual experience, uh, it is, and and if you do the process in the way it's laid out, these guys figured out how to codify and 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 methodize a mystical experience, a spiritual experience. And and I'm really in my in my own work today. I'm big into flow. I'm big into peak performance. I'm big into uh, uh, neurobiology and hacking. You know, not not hacking, but but understanding how the brain works and how the the, the mechanism of the mystical, the spiritual experience happens in the brain. Um, yeah. 
and, and powerful, not, to, powerful. Yeah, not to separate God, not to separate a uh, 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 spirituality from it, but but to but to marry it, right? To to really to show that there are structures in the brain that that their entire job is is keeping track of 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 mystical experiences, of spiritual experiences, and that's, that's their entire that's their entire uh, purpose. At, and at there the are ways set up mm -hmm. triggering a spiritual experience, and these guys figured that out. I, right? Wow, this is so powerful. At the end of the day, mysticism or our mystic abilities all stems from God regardless. And when it comes down to science and chemistry and all that, where does it all stem from? Dude, God. I mean, yeah. depending on who you are and how you roll and what you believe in, uh, it was – I've been introduced to, to so many different denominations of religiosity and religious beliefs and um, grew up in Utah, came out here to California, everything from Mormonism to – to Judaism, to, to Islam, to all of that. And who would have thought that I'd go into a certain type of a 12-step program that's trying to save people from, from alcoholism or addiction, for that matter, and plug into something greater than myself as a result of a book that wasn't like all of the other books that had been introduced. Not to discount any of those books. They work for whoever studies them or professes them or whatever. But for me, uh, I, I know what book you're talking about. It is the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It saved my life, changed my life. And truly, and I also, it's funny you talk about all this stuff because I, my friend uh, moved out to Ohio for a while and we went to Dr. Bob's house and we were given a tour by a, a lady who, Gail, she's the, she does the, the artifacts. She oversees the artifacts and everything. As we're walking through the house, she was showing us the books that our founders, Bill and Bob, for the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, were actually reading and studying out of to be able to put together the book AA because they knew that so many different types of people from from probably on a national level, they thought at that time, would be coming from different backgrounds, the varieties of religious experiences by William uh, you know, James. They were studying books like this to be able to have more of a vast open mind to be able to pertain and help people that are going to come with either with a non-belief system or a past belief system or or something that they decided they didn't want to have anything to do with and, and to, to let them have their own experience to tap into that mystical side of them, right? Like de definitely right. their mysticism. So I love and that. That's, that's, that's exactly it. And William James is actually kind of the godfather of, of the neurobiological study of right. Of of mysticism of flow and of and and of 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 you know transient hypofrontality and and, and all this stuff. It, it it all stems from like William James and and, and Young and Maslow and, and, and Young. All those guys. Yep. Now, so so you talked about what you do now. Like you got sober. Yeah. You said you went to culinary school. Yeah. You, so I got I got sober. Chef. I got sober uh, in in my first year of sobriety. Uh, I met uh, I, I met the woman. I met a, I met a you know I met a girl right, and so she mm -hmm. had she had uh, thirteen years of sobriety. I was mm -hmm. coming up on a year, um, and Woo! right, and, and we all we, we all know we all know we have a we have we have a term for that, you know, mm -hmm. and 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 uh, you know it was all good, and 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 she. You know, she thought I was cute, and I was not in a position to argue. And <laughs> and and so, uh, in in her defense, she had she had no intention of uh, of marrying me, but but she did. Uh, she had no intention of giving me a a, a beautiful son, but she did. Um, mm. And 
and we we parted. We we our our, our marriage uh, was dissolved in, in 2017 uh, mm. under very very loving circumstances. She remains sober. She's better than 30 years sober. She's pushing 40 now. Uh, mm -hmm. 40 years sober now. Uh, uh, we we are still very good friends. We we still operate well together. Uh, we still speak in the same you know in, in some of the same rooms and. And for a while, we kind of enjoyed the reputation of being a like like a twelve step power couple, and it was a lot of fun. And when and when it was time for our our relationship to end, it ended it ended very in a very loving way. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so I I got involved with her. I I went to culinary school. Uh, from there, my my career super took off, and I was able to and I and I and I worked in some really really neat places uh, with some really neat people. Uh, I got to I've. I've for presidents and I cook for celebrities and I've cooked for you know big important functions that that were that were very important to me and 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 once and and then and then at some point and and all of this time like I'm sponsoring at a super high level I've taken uh better than 350 individuals through the through the process of the steps um mm -hmm. men women uh you know doesn't I, matter it doesn't matter to me. I don't care. You know, if you want, if you want help and you reach out to me, I'm, I'm doing it. And so sponsoring at a super high volume, um, because that was the only way I knew how to keep myself alive and, mm. and then move through. And then I moved through a, a, like an amazing culinary career. Love it. Now, what are you doing now? So now in 2017, I, it was time for me to, uh, there was a bunch of factors. Uh, there was a bunch of factors in play. I was no longer being fed uh, by cooking. It, it just, it was not, it was not. So I, I want to say this and make, make sure I'm very clear about it. The things that feed you now and the things that, that, that regardless of where you are in your life, the things that feed you now are not the, not guaranteed to be the things that feed you later. Sure. You're allowed to grow as a human. Okay. You're allowed to grow. You know, the, the woman that I married, right. I was in a 20 year relationship with neither one of us were the same person 20 years later. And we wanted different things. We were moving in different directions. We're like, Oh, so we're not required to be the same person, not required to stick to the same decisions that we made 20 years ago. We can, we can actually move forward. So, and so yeah, it's like 30 years in a culinary career. And I'm like, I don't think this, is where I want to be anymore. And what I realized that, that serving other humans through high volume sponsorship, through like, like working with everything from like stadium selling out rock stars, Academy Award winning actors, uh, people fresh out of San Quentin, people fresh out of homeless shelters, people, you know, like from all walks of life, you know, you know, lawyers and doctors and commercial airline pilots, if that's not the scariest thing you've ever heard of. But, mm. but like working with, with tons and tons and tons of, of people, I realized that this was my calling and I found myself in service and I found myself wanting to have one-on-one -on -one engagement, one-on-one -on -one interaction with people. And what I found was the, the, the principles that I was practicing and the things that I was doing in the world of recovery worked very, very well outside those rooms. Look, you take any random human being and you add some spiritual discipline. Like if like, like you take any random human being and you add uh, meditation, prayer, and a journaling practice to their life. Like that's all you do. You do nothing else, but you add daily meditation, daily prayer. And I don't care what you're praying to. The, the direction is to pray, not to believe. Uh, 
if you pray every day, you meditate every day, and you journal every day, your life will take off, period. I, it, it doesn't matter. If you, if you install these things in your life, your life will improve. Absolutely. So I just began working with other people. I began as a coach uh, and I began, and I swore that I was a men's coach because that was what I wanted to work with. That was the population that I wanted to work with. Uh, and so I, I even introduced myself. Uh, I got introduced to the world in 2017 uh, as a coach uh, on a very, very big stage with a very, very uh, uh, high a uh, highly respected uh, person in personal development and introduced me as a men's coach. And I stood on this guy's stage in front of 1500 people. I'm like, I'm a men's coach. This is what I do. This is how I operate. And I help people like solve the problems in their life. I help them break down the challenges they have and, and, and apply certain tools to it, tools of clarity, tools of, of, of understanding how to, how to do it, tools that affect your uh, central nervous system. Like when you're in a stressful state, you cannot think your way out of the problem. So we're going to shift your, your, your nervous state so that you have access to, to higher brain function. And what happened is as my business grew and I left professional kitchens in 2017, uh, a direct result of, of that caused my marriage to, to, to end. Like my, you know, my ex-wife, she's like, no, no, no. I signed up to be a chef's wife, not Tony Robbins wife, that this is the life, the, the path you are going down is not the one I want. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, cool. And, and so we just parted ways, right? Cool. Mm -hmm. No problem. Uh, and, and so I went, I went down this path and I have found myself now in every single way that was important to me back then serving other human beings today, only we've removed the, the, the need for you to be like dying of alcoholism or dying of addiction of, sure. or, or whatever, and what, what's driving people toward uh, my services in particular is, look, I just want a better life. I, I want to I feel better. I want to, and it's all these, and you asked about it earlier, like what was the moment? Like what was the inflection point, right? And so we talk about inflection points. And inflection point can mean your bottom, right? And by the way, your bottom only exists in past tense. Like you look back, like, like there's no, there is no, situation in front of you that is bad enough that it's going to change your direction is going to like nobody goes oh that was terrible it's time for me to clean up what happens is we look back and we go oh that was that was where my direction changed mm -hmm. right but if you believe if, if you're one of these people that that struggles with 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 continuous relapse or continuous you know you know taking having these hard attempts and you go, well, maybe it just hasn't gotten bad enough. I promise that a situation, a circumstance uh, that is bad enough for you to change is not in front of you. Mm. You will find it if you look behind you, but it is not in front of you. We, we, we bury people who go looking for bottom. We go bury, we bury people who need, who are, who are still in search of that, that rock bottom that they think is going to change their mind about stuff. Love it. Couldn't right. agree with you more. And so we get to deal with, with now inflection points because with 24 years of sobriety, my, like the, I don't struggle with staying sober anymore. Like that's not, that's not my, that's not my challenge, right? My challenge is how to be of, of service in the world. My challenge is, is how to, you know, have a happy marriage, how to, how to raise an 18 year old, like how to, like how to, like what, what my role of a father is as, as the world changes, as my son changes, as he grows. My, my kid is amazing. He's looking at colleges right now. He's got no time for dad. Right. And, and 
getting to deal with my own feelings around that. Right. Mm. Cause, cause, cause I still want to be like the most important person in my son's life. And I'm just not, his friends are, his future is his, you know, his girlfriend is like all of these, you know, his mechanic keeping his car. In. Like, like those are the people who are important to him. And, mm. and that's just fine. So, uh, so now I, I work with people who are at inflection points and either I've been doing this job for so long and I don't think I'm happy anymore, or I've been married for so long and I don't think I'm happy anymore, or I'm not sure what my next step is. And I, I just don't feel like, like I'm as engaged. I'm as enthusiastic about these things I used to be and I'm afraid and I'm not sure what that next step is. And so I, I walk people through, through next steps. Hmm. Love this. It's, it's just so such a breath fresh, fresh breath of air to be able to hear this, this type of talk. Um, yeah, I mean, I think life is meaningless unless we learn to become of, of service to people, and it doesn't have to just be in a twelve-step sense. Right. The greatest spiritual beings that have been, or are no longer here, but are known for being great human beings, were the ones that gave of themselves and did things with no intention, uh, helped, you know, because they wanted to help, not because for any other reason with for fun and for free, if you will. Right. I, um, I really enjoy, um, it's interesting. Like, uh, when I look at my, my life, when I was 16 years old, somehow my parents sent me somewhere when I was 16 and it was, uh, it was called summit. It was down in orange County, it was basically one of these uh, self-help groups. It was like three days you went there, and there was a lot of different people from all walks of life. Mostly people that were that were older and and had done well for themselves, or they were in a workplace and they were unsure of why they were or where 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 they were going in life. Right. Mm. So we went uh, some within, to landmark, some right. It was like landmark. I went to landmark too in my sobriety, which reminded me a lot of that. Um, I mean, obviously, we get all of that stuff. Not in three A's, but we get it definitely in a in a process of of being in a twelve step world. However, I, I love that you are you are now giving to so many people. I can only imagine. You know, I understand like it didn't work out in your marriage, and, and she thought you know another. You're basically a motivational speaker that's that's not giving enough attention to her, and and that yeah. she's more used to you just going to your chef job. But, I admire what you're doing. I, I I love that Athena introduced us. When I there's oftentimes that I'll meet somebody and I will vibe with them so well that I think this person needs to be my friend. Like that's, mm. that's all there is to it. Before I ever knew who Dave Wiss was, I saw him somewhere. I judged him by his appearance. I had no idea who he was, and then he went up and he was our speaker that night. And this man just threw it down so fucking hard mm. and so like heartfelt and so with so much passion and vigor. And I thought that guy needs to be my friend. I misjudged. I told him later too. I go, I totally misjudged you. You're a good man. I'd like to be your friend. We've been friends ever since. And like, I I I am appreciative of you coming on here today and speaking with such transparency and and talking about yourself and and. Just the fact that you you do what you do with no intention but to do it and help people. Uh, what what an honor and a privilege to have you on on Pesci's Recovery Corner today. I want to I'm going to close it down now. Is, is there anything you want to say before we sign off? And I want to stay in touch with you. You're a good man. I can tell. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. The uh, um, 
more than anything, regardless of and uh, regardless of, of 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 where you're seeking recovery, please know that no no one group has has like the market cornered. Like no nobody. Like you know AACANA. Uh, uh, even like rational recovery, right? Like like everything is about where you find uh, where you find safety and and a sense of self and a sense of connection. That's where it is. Like, I, I want to make sure that, that I'm saying that I don't think anybody's wrong. I don't think anybody's wrong. I don't think any approach is wrong. I think the one that works for you is the one that works for you. Uh, be open to uh, spiritual experiences, mystical experiences. I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a Baptist family. And 11, me and God were done with each other. Like, I was going to burn in hell and he could fuck right off. And like, like mm-hmm. you know, me and, and I had to go on my own journey with that. And now I, I have my own beliefs. Uh, but, like, what you were given is not what you need to hang on to. And, and find what, find what, what, like, really vibes with you. Find what really fires you up and go diving into it. My, my favorite, my favorite conversation in all of sobriety is the third step conversation uh, you and I should definitely have it sometime. I think it'd be a, I think it'd be a great. I'm so down. I'm so down. Podcast episode is the, the 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 third step conversation. It's my favorite in the in, the, in all of sobriety. Um, but uh, but yeah, whatever you're doing, uh, you know, seek seek people who who light you up. Who like you don't you can't explain why. Be like yes, that like like resonates with me at a very very deep level, and just follow them. Absolutely. So good. So, so good. Um, Athena just put a bunch of flames right here. Let me just show you this. Uh, And then my friend Matt said, totally rad, man. Thanks for doing this. Um, Yeah, I I appreciate you coming out today to the corner. Um, You know, a friendship must grow. And that's what I'm going to work towards. I'm going to call you soon about some other stuff that we got going on too. And I I want to learn more about what you're doing. Thank you for for being on today and thanks for who you are. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's an, Have a good uh, rest of the day and thanks to all those who tuned in. Much love. Bye.